0: Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host.
1: Good evening, Cotto listeners, you are tuned in to Off The Record. This is Julia Caulfield from the Codo News Team. I'm your host for this evening, and we are talking all things Telski. I have three very um, smart and in-the-know guests in studio with me. We have Scott Pittenger, director of mountain operations for Tell Ski, Patrick Glatcham, vice president of marketing and sales, and then Noah Sheedy of the Ski School, director of Ski School. Thanks all y'all for being here this evening.
2: Yeah.
3: Thanks, Thanks for, for
1: having us. Having us. Um, so as a reminder to listeners, this is a call-in program. So if you have any questions for these guys about what's going on with the ski season this year, this season... Give us a call at 970-728-4333. I know that Telski is something that many of us are very passionate and have opinions about. So I will ask that if you call in with a question, please like recognize these are members of our community and be kind. But still ask your question. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to throw it out to all y'all first. you are We're about a month in to the season. Um, it's maybe it, it was a little bit of a slow start, maybe a little bit of a bumpy start with... Um, a slightly delayed opening, the chondola breaking down right on time. (laughs) Um, How does it, how's it going so far? How's the the first month or so been?
0: Yeah, I think you said it, Julia, you know, not everything has gone absolutely according to plan. Um, And, you know, we're pretty proud of where we're at right now. Um, Certainly wish we were getting a little bit more snow and a little bit further ahead on some of the operations. Um, But, you know, we're really proud of what the team has put out there and the product that we're able to execute on right now. Um, Albeit, if we could get a little extra snow from Mother Nature, that would certainly help us out a little bit.
4: Yeah, and I think from... the ski and snowboard schools' point of view, it's actually the season's been going fantastic so far. You know, look like early season, we we, don't, we never expect a lot of terrain to be open, right? I mean, that's the nature of the beast. As the as the snow comes in and the mountain opens up, but um, you know, I'll say selfishly, from you know, in my world, we've hired almost twice as many new hire instructors as we have the past few years and the group of new hires is just phenomenal you know it's it's one of the things i'm so thankful for being here in telluride is the fact that man the best people are drawn to this community and this resort and and we get the cream of the crop and and that's no different this year so we've got you know, upwards of 50 new ski and snowboard school instructors that are all just rad and pumped to be here and, you know, maybe aren't as seasoned as all of us sitting in the room, which sometimes makes us a little bit jaded knowing having the experience of, of the good and the bad. It's it's easy to forget the bad and remember the good. And, and uh, you know, I just I always rest my hat on those. Awesome, energetic new hires. that are just, um, you know, it's it, it's a, it's all awesome here. They're they're just intelligent and they're stoked. So yeah, no, I, I think actually the season so far for me has been great.
1: Patrick, anything you'd like to add?
4: You know,
3: I'll just second that. Um, you know, I think all things considered, we're, we're we're doing the best we absolutely can, and yeah, we had a bumpy start. We had to delay the opening a little bit, but as as, as the result, you know, we're able to open chair nine. You know here in the near future and you know the chandala broke down which was obviously a bummer but we got a brand new gearbox in there basically and it's going to be a lot more reliable moving forward and i just got to give it to our team to to roll with these challenges and then to deliver the best experience possible like Noah was talking about ski school's been good we had to get really creative two weeks ago when we had like 300 beginner lessons chandala was down and then we opened up 10 and 11 so we could spread people out and get those beginners to some you know a nice beginner terrain which you know we've done some things that i'll just say are aren't orthodox in regards to opening but you got to give kudos to our operations team for putting the creative hats on and, and getting things open when we did to to deliver that experience
4: yeah that was amazing
1: i definitely you've touched on chair nine so we're just gonna start there but before we start there um what did happen with the chandala what was going on
0: <laughs> yeah so <laughs> we had a failure in our gearbox which is essentially you know the heart of those machines um and it resulted it it came from a bearing failure which are really hard um to prevent and to discern when a bearing is going to fail on a machine that's been over there for over 25 years now um and so it went out this is a gearbox that's made in switzerland um it's also an odd size so these things aren't just laying on the shelf um, and you know, kudos to our lift maintenance team and our, our lift maintenance manager, Kenny King. You know, we have a machine shop that we use in Montrose um, that was able to fabricate some brand new parts for us. Um, and then we also had to get some parts come in from Switzerland. We had techs come in from the East Coast that were on site throughout that entire repair process. Um, and it took some time and you know at the end of the day we have a fully rebuilt gearbox you know since we had it cracked open and we were replacing just about everything in there uh, we just went for it um, and now we're really confident in what we got but you know that's why we turn these things on before we open and kind of run them through the paces and thankfully there was nobody on the lift that needed to be evac out of it um, but it definitely, you know, led to a little adversity and adversity tends to lead to a little bit of creativity. So, you know, we're pretty stoked about what we were able to deliver, even though it wasn't our, uh, our first idea that came out of the box.
1: Do you think that, you know, Patrick, you were saying that it may be, um, forced you to get a little bit creative with how you opened the mountain. Do you think that just no, like having to do this out of necessity this year maybe changes the way that y'all will approach opening the mountain in the future?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Every single one of these adverse scenarios, we learn. Um, and that's one of the great things about it. And we are able to apply some things that, that, that we've learned this year and the future years. And, you know, some people that have been around for, you know, not even that long probably remember our, our light winter of seventeen eighteen, 18 um, where we were making snow in places where we've never made snow before. Um, and, you know, remembering where all those fire hydrants are and how we execute on making snow in various paces around the, the hill has certainly helped us out this year. Um, so, you know, it's nice to have a, a dearth of institutional knowledge to, to draw on and um, and to have a team that's willing to just kind of put in that little extra effort to make it happen and not little, a lot of extra effort this year.
4: Did I hear dearth in there? <laughs> um, <laughs> mm, that was impressive, Scott. <laughs> like
1: Fifteen-letter word in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's dive into Chair 9 It's, I know, something that many people are are still thinking about, wishing maybe it was open now, but it's not. Um, So first off, kind of, and I know Patrick and I have had this conversation multiple times, but where are we when it comes to um, what's going on with Chair 9 and what folks can expect for it getting open?
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) This is is Scott. I don't even know why I'm here. Moral support.
4: Moral support. Here we go, Scott. You got this. You're
1: like the (laughs) quippy banter. It's fine. Yeah. So,
0: um, you know, things are moving along with lift nine. You know, we came out last week, I believe it was. Patrick um, helped us with that press release, saying that right now we're forecasting, like, kind of end of January, is when we're expecting to have that lift ready for public. Um, Today for those of us um, that were around the mountain uh, probably heard the helicopter swinging around and um, so today was our last day of pouring concrete at the top of that lift um, which was a big day for us. It kind of opens the door for kind of the final push of getting everything done with that lift. Um, You know last week we wrapped up the haul rope and we were able to get that up onto the towers and spliced uh, working on the comm line um and then you know once we we basically need to give this concrete a little bit time to cure once it's cured we're able to move a few things into place notably the operator enclosure and the generator Um, once those are in place then we're able to do a lot of the electrical work that's required to really get that lift humming um we've gotten a lot of stuff done so far you know the upper terminal essentially looks like it will look from now until we have to do this again sometime long in the future. Um, the bottom terminal is completely wired in. It's ready to go. Um, you know, we have work to do on the towers once the comm line's in there. Um, so, I mean, at this point, we still think that we're going to be somewhere around that uh, end of January time frame. Um, but it's, it's moving along. You know, we couldn't ask for Doppmeyer to bring any more people than they currently have um, on site. We have folks from all over the country, all over the world, really helping out right now. Um, and you know, we're really happy that Meyer has pushed us to kind of the forefront of their priority list and, um, kind of throwing everything in the kitchen sink getting this thing done as, as fast as possible. And, and talking to the crew that's here right now, you know, they've been pulled off of other jobs around the country. Um, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of lifts, um, that are not complete right now for the holidays, which is, which is unfortunate. Um, I guess the the silver lining is that those people are coming here to make sure that ours gets done just as fast as possible um so you know we're happy about the way things are moving right now um obviously we would love to have that lift ready to go um but you know we are where we are and you know i think when that lift is up and running everyone's going to be really happy about the product that we got
1: yeah is there you know obviously staffing is a challenge for everybody in every industry um and you're bringing folks from all over the country and world to make this happen. But in theory, you could have maybe foreseen those challenges. Like we kind of knew that staffing was, was an issue. So what happened? Like, what was it that, that made this date have to be pushed back later than, than it already was?
3: Yeah. And it's, you know, I'll touch on that a little bit. And first I kind of want to squash a rumor that we've been hearing that our snowmakers have been working on this for a long time and that's, what's delaying other things. Mm So just in regards to the labor on chair nine, as soon as our snowmakers could make snow, they transitioned their roles. That was so they you know, they had something to do when they when they couldn't make snow. And then in regards to foreseeing this, we we you know, we got as many people on it as possible when we were foreseeing this. We are, you know, there are sixty six new chair lifts being built in North America starting construction this last summer. It's the most most in history. And at the end of the day, there's not that many people with that labor and skill. There's not an exponential market of people to pool from to, to bring them in to work on this and and like Scott said they're even prioritizing this lift over other ones um, so ultimately we, we did have some foresight and we are able to get as many people involved as possible which is why we have so many of them on site right now and that we're still able to, to maintain and you know the opening that we
4: have for for late January and maybe to clarify just <laughs> for any listeners that are, aren't in the know yet this is a project that's Doppelmayr, right? Like it's not a, it's not Scott Pittenger's project and all of his staff. It's Doppelmayr, the lift manufacturer, and all of their staff. And I think, um, yeah, and, and and also when S- Scott and Patrick say prioritizing other lifts that aren't done, that just so you know that that's not at the Telluride Ski Resort. That's around the the <laughs> <Yeah>. world. <laughs> yeah. Doppelmayr has lifts that aren't done that and they're sent funneling folks their staff over to telluride from other projects in other areas
3: and there's and there's 30 of those lifts right now you know of those 66 there's 30 of them that are still under construction and it's you know obviously it's it's not ideal but you know i'm excited that we'll be able to open up that terrain late next week so people can still ski it and get out there and enjoy the chair nine terrain and then you know and a little more than a month we'll be opening a brand new chair that we're going to be enjoying for decades and tens of thousands of people are going to ride and it's it's some special terrain you know it's two thousand feet of vertical which also makes it a difficult project you know it's all north facing it's it's special and it's uh you know excited for that new addition to the mountain
1: so speaking of that and um planning to open that terrain for the holidays even though the lift won't be open can you just talk a little bit about um what that will look like in terms of opening, how folks can get there, how folks can be skiing in that space and, um, you know, what that means for, for people recreating out there over the next couple of weeks and month.
3: Yeah, and, you know, originally we were shooting and hoping to, to have it open right around Christmas. It is looking more like right around New Year's Eve we'll be able to open that terrain. We're, we're a couple days behind from what we were originally hoping and forecasting. Um, but then there's going to be a couple of ways that people can get there. Um, you know, from top of six, chair six, Apex Lift, people will be able to, to go out there and, and even hike up to the top of Chair 9. And so they can get from the top of Mammoth, Can't Make Bushwhacker, all that stuff. They can they can ski that. And then also via Sea Forever, you'll be able to jump in on Plunge to, to that terrain as well. Um, so some options, totally gravity-fed. We're even going to open up some, some hike too as well.
1: Nice. Um, let's talk snowmaking, and snow on the mountain. (laughs) Um, From y'all's opinion, what's it like up there? How's it skiing?
0: You know, for getting as little snow as we have this year, I'd say it's skiing pretty amazingly well. Um, You know, we opened up a lot of terrain, um, you know, with pretty thin cover, Um, And kudos to, you know, our grooming crew and the patrol crew for going out there and packing down as much of that early season snowfall as possible to to really build that base that has made this terrain skiable, um, albeit under, you know, very thin conditions. And our snowmaking crew is doing great. You know, they're they're working with the hand that they've been dealt. You know, water is our number one issue right now, just having enough water to pump around the mountain. Um, and you know, when those guys are given the opportunity to make snow, they're making as much of it as possible, um, and really putting in a lot of hours and hard work. And, um, you know, I think for what we got out there, um, we couldn't ask for anything more. Um, you know, it'd be great to have more, but when we're dealing with the constraints of, of water, um, there's just no way of, of creating that source.
1: I mean, how do you think about that from kind of the the big picture view of if you're not getting it naturally from the sky you only have so much water to work with you also only have so much time and like conditions to be able to work with how do you prioritize how much you're creating in a certain space, how you're spreading it around the mountain how are you making those choices?
0: Sure, thanks. Um, you know a lot of it is obviously a little bit of history and making snow around here and just knowing you know where the cold spots on the mountain are and then prioritizing, you know, where we can um, actually deliver skiable runs. Um, you know, the beginning of the this, of this ski year, we really want to get people skiing off the top of lift four. Um, you know, that's something that we have a lot of infrastructure in there we can execute on and that's kind of how we start things. And then once we have that established, it's really all about making connections around the mountain and trying to get people into some areas that um where they're skiing more natural snow so like the lift five area um is a great spot it's one of the coldest areas on the mountain every single pitch over there is north facing um so it holds some pretty good snow it's a lot of really good intermediate terrain um and then once we get over there it's you know our push is really to get around the mountain to get sea forever established and to get down into town um you know and and so we we've kept with our priorities kind of that we always have, have maintained um but we have to deal within that those constraints of just like weather and and water yeah
1: yeah um scott i feel like this one's going to go back to you again <laughs> so, um but you know i you kind of led into it as well i know that a priority is always to be able to get that town side of the mountain open in -hmm. time for the holidays, just as an egress off of the mountain. Absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't feel like that's maybe on track to happen in the next few days. Um, What, yeah. What is that kind of front side T trail, all of those runs looking like?
0: Yeah. So if you're riding up the gondola, you probably know what it's looking like, (laughs) Uh, but it's, it's not quite there. And that is where all of our water is going right now. Basically, we're working top of nine down into town. Um, that's, that's where all of our focus is right now. So Sea Forever, sea Forever takes a good chunk of water. Um, Telluride Trail takes a lot of water. Uh, Cat's Paw Bailout takes water. Um, and so that's where we're putting it all right now. You know, that's our, our primary focus, um, to try to get the town side of the mountain open just as soon as possible.
1: And what does that look like kind of maybe from a moving people around the mountain folks either visiting and spending time wanting to spend time in both places locals wanting to get home without having to take the gondola if they're living in town. You know, what will that mean for this holiday season with in theory, a lot of people needing to pack up and down through the gondola.
0: Yeah, so um you know obviously again <laughs> I, I was, gonna, yeah, I, was, gonna,
1: I, I, was gonna, I was looking, you looking the want the to get it? Oh, it? Oh, all right. Thank you. Got a chance to not have to answer a question <laughs> but <Don't
2: let> got
4: <laughs> ready? Well, so listen, I mean, I think uh yeah, we are trying to organize shuttles right now to be quite honest. Um and you know, one step at a time. I think um Employees getting to second jobs in town, evening jobs, we're really trying to focus on them, right? Because we know that the gondola lines can get long. The gondola is a very efficient way to travel from Mountain Village to Telluride, but still, with, you know, when there's several thousand people trying to do it all at once at the end of the day, that's, you know, th- there's going to be some lines. So, um, you know, we're working on shuttles. It's obviously a busy time of year for everyone involved. We've reached out to Telluride Express and are having a conversation with them tomorrow morning about the potential of, um, you know, at the very least, trying to help out with some employee shuttles to pull employees and mountain resort hosts and stuff like that out of the gondola lines and get them onto a bus so that that alleviates the lines then for the guests and the locals, um, you know, trying to get back into the town at the end of the day and. you know who, who knows could, could that expand you know in in 2017-18 we we're talking about this this afternoon um we certainly did that where we were um i don't think smart was quite there yet but it was the town of telluride that kind of stepped up and and pushed all of their kind of available vehicles to do laps at the end of the day um you know so um you know that that's certainly an option we are exploring. Um, trying to do my part i drive a 14 passenger van for my employees every afternoon so yeah i mean we're certainly testing testing it out and and reaching out to folks that may have the vehicles and the drivers that that could help facilitate some of this so yeah it's 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 on the forefront of our mind to say the least
3: yeah and i and you bring up a really good point like it's gonna and like Noah said, we're doing what we can to alleviate some of that pressure and stress. And then, you know, with Kodo and most of this being our local community, just keep this in mind. You know, there's we there will be a line next week on the gondola side from 3 to 5.30, you know, will be the most, the, the, when it's at its peak, um, from that gondola mountain village to Telluride. So if you're able to get back into the town of Telluride earlier, we recommend that so you don't get caught in a line. And then also, you know, and with this... In mind, we're, we're, there's not going to be ski access to San Sophia Station starting at 3 p.m. So everyone's going to ski back down, you know, via 4 and, and into that area. And what that will allow us to do is load every single cabin. And it's super hard when you have people who are, you know, getting in at San Sophia Station. They're going into the town of Telluride. You're trying to figure out how many cabins you should leave empty And So this way we'll be able to maximize the capacity and, efficient, and load them efficiently and so it's definitely, you know, keep that in mind, either head down earlier, and if you're staying out for enjoying the afternoon and the longer days, which which I highly encourage too, you know, just know that there, there, there will likely be a line next week um, until we're able to open up that front side of the mountain.
1: And do you feel like it is within the next week or so that, like maybe between, I guess, the beginning of the new year or around new year's that yeah yeah open.
0: absolutely um you know i would hate to think that this is going to push further out the next weekend um so that's where that's where our main focus is and, and that's what we're shooting for um, and if we can get a little help from mother nature then that would go a long way too
1: yeah you've met all y'all have mentioned it several times how does this feel like it compares to the seventeen eighteen season
4: I will say very personally, it feels similar, except that in 1718, everyone else in the country didn't have snow either. But now we're the only ones. I feel like that don't have snow, which is painful. Um, but I actually think it we're. It feels much better than 1718, to be quite honest. I mean, there's we we're, we're, you know, as hard as this is to believe, you know. 10, 11, 12, 14. That stuff opened earlier this year than it normally has. So we're, you know, got to ski some, you know, uh, natural snow uh, even earlier than, than we have in the past, which has been great. That's just my own personal well, take said. on it. I, I
3: agree 100%. I'll second that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's great to be able to offer natural terrain to our guests and to our locals and, you know, particularly the Prospect and Gold Hill Zone. Um, you know it's lean out there but it's still a ton of fun to ski um, you know six area is still skiing great and those main drags um, you know in 1718, we were pushing around snow and hauling snow and it's you mean. know we had one run in the five area that was yeah, skiable right. <laughs> and it was just a highway throughout the holidays and you know so we're feeling a lot better about our ability to spread people out and uh, actually put people where they're used to being on the mountain and uh, able to explore um, but all the same, yeah, a little, little shy <laughs> on that white stuff
1: and then 14, yes, is currently down do I have that correct? It was, but it's now back up
4: mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was down for yesterday afternoon, okay. but back up started spinning at 9.15 this morning okay. and is uh, mm-hmm. operational again yep. perfect um, I took that one from Scott. I, you, I felt like you I could take that team. one off of his plate.
1: So one of the questions, someone mentioned it on our Facebook post. As a reminder to everybody, if you have a question, please give us a call. 970-728-4333. We're talking all things Telski for about the next 35 minutes. So get your calls in, get your questions in. Um, someone, they didn't expand on this. They just said the word parking. Um... So, let's parking. talk. Let's talk about maybe parking, and I'm going to tie it into for folks who um, maybe have a second job, need to get down to town, aren't convinced that the shuttle's going to be there, or don't want to take it, um, don't want to wait in the gondola line. They think, ah, oh, I'll just drive up, and I'm going to hold that question because now we have a call. If y'all want to pop those headphones on.
2: Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hello. Good evening. Hello.
1: Uh, these, these,
2: these, these guys are doing a tremendous job up there with what little product we have to work with. Uh, we congratulate it. But, say, I'm wondering about Lift 7. Uh, has the tram board taken away our ability to download people on Lift 7 for it not being capable of handling any weight anymore? Or what is the situation with Lift 7? That's all.
1: Thanks for your question. Yeah,
0: great question. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, we no longer download Lift 7 for public. Um, It's a really not so great of an experience. Um, And what we have to do when we download anyone on Lift 7 is they have to remove all their gear, and then we have to come to a full stop at the top and the bottom. And, you know, what we've learned through the years is that this adds a lot of dynamics to that line. And so whether you're going uphill or you're going downhill on that line, if we start downloading people and we start adding these stops at the top and the bottom, what ends up happening is if you're a passenger on that chair is you start feeling a pretty dramatic swing, both upward and downward, um, which is just not a comfortable experience for anyone. Um, And while it might, in theory and, you know, engineering-wise, be safe, it's not the type of situation that we want any of our guests to be uh, accustomed to.
1: Is there, um, you know, I know that many folks, and I'm sure you're as well, like, c seven as a lift that could maybe get replaced in the future.
2: What? <laughs> Hypothetical. I know. <laughs>
1: Wild idea. I'm the first person who's ever thought of that. I like it. But is there, and again, we also don't want to hope that there's not good, snow seasons where you can't just open that town side of the mountain and get people down. Is there a, um, a thought that maybe like when you replace that lift eventually, inevitably that you're able to create more of that process in case. So, you know, we're not necessarily running into what we're running into now. Interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we are looking into replacing lift seven, um, and part of the engineering request that you can make for a lift is downhill capacity. Um, and so when you add downhill capacity, it changes the forces on that lift um, and you end up, you know, having to build a different type of lift if, than if you were to go for a zero downhill capacity. So those are options that we're exploring.
1: There you go. Um, back to parking. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. parking. I mean, w- we know that obviously that parking garage over by the market can get really and um, overrun. Overrun. Sure. So I guess you know. Also, kind of maybe long term. I know that um, the town of Mountain Village is talking about maybe expanding that parking garage as well. Um, just kind of, I guess, what does what does that look like? I, more, you know, transportation and how are people as this resort, this community, is getting busier and busier covid showed us that this can be a huge drive market from anywhere in the country um, that we are potentially having more personal vehicles or cars coming into this area how does that factor into y'all's perspective of um, getting people to the resort in a way that is as efficient and least crowded as possible
3: yeah absolutely and good good question and it's you know first and foremost we are a town where you don't necessarily need a car, and that's something that we include in a lot of our communications and marketing is, is encouraging people to take the shuttles from the airport to alleviate some of that pressure. Um, I mean, it's a pretty amazing experience being able to take the gondola to and from each town and you know, ideally in here and then not so distant future, being able to ski in and ski out of both towns. That's super unique. I you know, there's not many ski resorts that have that ability, and um, and so with that, it's, it's really important that we try and reduce cars and, um, and utilize that public transportation and, and encourage people to take those shuttles. And, um, and so that's something that, that we're constantly working on. And, and the Town of Mountain Village is working hard on a plan to expand that, that parking garage. I think that's you know, the most vital and the most likely for expansion. And they're looking at multiple levels for, for adding it on there, which I think is great. It makes total sense as, as we kind of grow with our visitation to, to be able to offer more parking.
4: Can I throw out just a couple plugs here? Go on. Okay. So I live in Lawson, and uh, Smart, not many people know, but Smart just um, added a route from Lawson to Mountain Village, which is amazing, right? Because I have to drive my car, historically, you know, even though I just live in Lawson, I have to drive up to Mountain Village every day, so... Um, you you know, bike. For, you bike when you can, too. Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> not, not, not in the winter. I'm not one of those people. Those people. Um... But I will say, you know that that uh, commuter lot in Lawson is a great option. Um, that currently Smart's running a bus Monday through Friday in the morning and then in the evenings. Um, so you know, look it up for all y'all locals out there that are thinking about this and trying to avoid that gondola the line. That could be a good option, at least Monday through Friday, um, to to yeah to to make use of for sure. And then uh, my only other suggestion again for all. All the locals out there listening you know if you're going to drive up drive up early to guarantee yourself a park spot get there early you know get there before nine generally if you get to mountain village to that parking structure before nine you're you're pretty good to go
1: yeah um another something that folks put on our um our post about the show this evening was talking about pricing for the mountain um and you know the idea of Locals, tickets, tickets that are maybe affordable, you know, we know that prices have been going up for season passes and the like. And so I guess, you know, is Telski doing anything to, you know, maybe alleviate some of that or just, you know, for locals who feel like this is their mountain and maybe it's not really an accessible financially mountain for them to to ski on anymore. I'm just staring at Patrick to answer this question.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm happy to jump in there and encourage the other folks to j- dive in too. This is something that's super important to us. You know, our, Telluride's a special place because of the local community. You talk to anyone who lives here, it's like you, you st- came to ski, stayed for the library or the local community, and it's and it's and it really rings true. And it's and we're doing a lot to make that possible and it's something that we're fighting you know and, and fighting, fighting for and making sure that we can continue to offer is discounted local products and you know we do that in the form of some regional sales events to, to offer the discounted pricing and then we have the, the merchant pass program on top of that as well you know we brought back some employee comps which are which will go to a lot of the local community as well um, and those are all things that we take to heart and we take very seriously so that we can continue to offer those those discounts and, and ensure that it's accessible and you know it's it's not cheap by any means, but if you look at a lot of the, the comp set for similar mountains we we're, we're significantly less and, um, and and not all mountains even offer discounted local passes and um but that's something we take seriously it's something we're going to keep offering and you know we take our local community seriously and and then on top of that we do other things too there's um we did this we've done it in a few years now and worked with noah on this we did the latinx ski day and you know we got we got a Fifty plus Latin American folks from our local community down the ski hill who've never skied before and we took care of their lessons, took care of their lift, their lift ticket and took care of their rentals and, and that was with the help of T-Sports as well and you know so there's things like that and we've done some similar programs with um, some other regional neighbors here to, to get those folks out on the ski hill and we're doing that again this year and it's, it's something we take seriously and, and want to make accessible and so those folks can enjoy the mountain.
1: Um. I have, I want, I, we're going to get back to some like more mountainy stuff, ski stuff soon, but um, I have also, and maybe just because I don't have a lot of information about this, but I've heard that there's maybe going to be like some shift ups with local retail and how that works with Telski. Patrick,
4: are you? uh, Is this like the Telluride
1: Sports? Yeah, yeah. Resort. What's going on with that?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely, good question. And um, so, yeah, you know, we've had a long, great relationship with Telluride Sports. They've been a great partner and and great to work with. And um, but we are transitioning um, to taking that over. So Telluride Ski Resort is going to be taking over the the Telluride Sports locations. Um, There's there's five of them that we're taking over. Um, There's the Franz Klammer location, the base of the gondola, the gondola plaza location, um Kuhn's, Camel's Garden. Camel's Garden. Chair Seven. And Chair Seven. That's yeah, and those are the locations we're taking over. And the
4: peaks in the winter too, yep. right?
3: Yeah. And we got so it's those are the ones that we're taking over. And from a guest perspective, not much is gonna change. We're keeping the branding, Telluride Sports. We you know, we we purchased that name, so it's gonna be the Telluride Sports Umbrella. Um, we have orders placed for, for this summer and even for the upcoming next winter in, in regards to these retail and rental items. And so that's an operation that we'll be taking on, which is which is common in the industry. You know, it's it's kind of a coming-of-age story. You know, we're at a point where we're ready to take that on. And um, a lot of resorts operate their rental and retail, and there will still be other rental and retail options, obviously. Um, but we'll be taking over the those Telluride Sports locations after uh, April 2023.
1: Going back to skiing on the mountain, Um, I've had people... uh, This is above my ski level. I'm not this good. But people asking, when are the hike twos going to open and what's that going to look like?
0: Hopefully it'll look like a lot of snow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, patrol's been working on our hike twos, Bald Mountain and into our extremes off to the Prospect Ridge as well as on the Gold Hill Ridge. Um, And, you know... The snow safety team wants people out there just as soon as humanly possible um, to to knock the air out of the snow and really get it packed down. Um, And so, you know, what we're waiting on right now is just more snow. You know, we want to set people up for success and not just send them out into a boulder strewn field out there. Um, So we're waiting for some more snow. You know, again, like we're kind of laying the foundation of making that terrain um, ready once we do get that snow. Um, but that's really what's what's holding us up at this point.
1: Scott, I feel like I've asked you this question before when, when you've come on. But, you know, we talk about comparing to 1718. We've had a couple of years that have kind of like hit and miss snow at certain times of the year, which, of course, is somewhat inevitable, like weather shifts and change. <laughs> um, but knowing that we are um, climate change is upon us as it stands you know from the perspective of a ski resort like you rely on water and snow and cold temperatures to be able to make the whole thing run so how are y'all thinking about that you know we're 50 years of teleski now and you know wanting it to succeed for another 50 years how is that factoring into just kind of like long-term planning of the resort
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's high on our minds, right? Um, you know, the longevity of the ski resort is something that, you know, we all want to ensure. Um, and, you know, it's certainly years like this that help to push certain things into the forefront of, you know, where we need to be um, in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years um, to make sure that this is a reliable place to ski in the early season. Um, you know, we benefit from elevation, which is great, and we get some pretty cold temps, which helps us out um but there are some infrastructure um improvements um that that need to be made to ensure that you know long term we're we're able to make it happen here
1: yeah um noah i'm going to ask a ski school question oh God. i know well it's <laughs> m- it's Patrick, <laughs> you
3: better take this one <laughs> i
1: got <know> it. <laughs> well it's more you know i think this is a um a community that you have a lot of really fantastic skiers and snowboarders in this community you also have people who are new to the sport whether they're local or visiting sure and all of those folks are on the mountain together um not always in the same place but sometimes in the same place so i would so from both perspectives if you are someone who just like barrels down the mountain how can you be respectful and watch out for people who are maybe going a little bit slower you know pizza wide turns and then on the flip side what should early beginner skiers be like paying attention to what can they do recognizing that they want to also stay safe
4: yeah uh good question i was actually having this conversation with chuck just this afternoon on the phone and um i think look it's funny we see these slow zones or these slow signs around the mountain and there might be a trail safety person posted up behind them and um you know and the vast majority of us out on the hill we kind of you know check our speed through those zones and um you know but there are folks that hammer through and 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 i don't think they're doing it maliciously they're just in their own groove and doing their own thing and um you know for me like at i guess i'll speak to the 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 experienced skier and rider first for me i kind of i don't i don't necessarily um look at a slow zone or those slow signs and and think like oh this is a different part of the mountain than anywhere else like for me it's just whatever trail i'm on whatever the pace the, the the vast majority of the folks are going around me that that's I, I try to i try to keep my speed in check in in terms of that just regardless of what trail i'm on or, or where i'm at um certainly if if there is someone that looks much more novice or kind of you know pretty sketched out by the terrain maybe they're a little bit over terrain by their boyfriend or girlfriend or significant other i you know i certainly try to give them a wide berth um on the flip side of that yeah as, as a more novice skier rider i think um you know the big thing to keep in mind is if you're first and foremost in the ski and snowboard school we always focus on reducing the terrain to kind of increase the skill right so for those novice folks what would i recommend i would certainly recommend if they're kind of not able to move with the pace that that trail is kind of the vast majority of those skiers or riders are not they're probably over terraining themselves right or someone is over terraining them Going down, bringing that terrain back so that they can then build on their skills and work up to that point. You know, jumping on terrain that's too hard for you um, is just it. it it's not going to help you grow as a skier and rider. And, and in worst case scenarios, it's going to put you in harm's way. So that that's what that would, that would be the advice that I would give for those novice skiers and riders. Find the terrain almost that seems too easy, so that then you can really push the skill envelope.
1: Nice. Um, We talked about Chair 9. Obviously, that is a huge project for uh, Telski at the minute. But I imagine there's also maybe some smaller things that are going on um, to make the mountain as exciting and fun for folks to ski as possible. Um, are there any other things that are like, this is something really cool that we're working on that, that we're excited about? Or maybe not. You oh
3: know, there's... um. We're just starting to get some drafts of the new Giuseppe's and th- those are super exciting. And you know, definitely gonna miss Giuseppe's and and the history and of that building and everything it has. Um, but you know, we will get a new F&B op- operation up there and you know, I think that'll be something that, that everyone will really enjoy in, in the years to come. And, and that's something that'll be
4: pretty cool. Mm. I'm gonna bring it much more local than that. Okay, so December 22nd, thursday of this week marks our 50th anniversary of the resort officially in 1972 the resort didn't open until december 22nd and um so you'll see ski and snowboard school out there and um they're they're going to be bringing out all their vintage ski and snowboard school uniforms to teach in for the day so that'll be a fun little event
3: out there to look out for on thursday that will be that will be and and on that note too i just want to let folks know we will have some fun 50th celebrations here later on in the season originally we wanted to honor that 22nd day with some some big celebrations on the mountain and ultimately we we all decided there was enough going on with the holidays and um so it'll be something great for for our local community and guests that are in town and and hopefully we'll bring some people in for it even and um so we'll have some updates probably an, an announcement here in the next couple of weeks in regards to dates and what exactly we're doing but it'll be a blast
1: nice We have someone on the line who wants to ask a question. love that. Ooh, I think. Let's see if I got him. No, okay. If you tried to call, give us a call back. I was trying to let, no, you you finish your your sentence. Let's try this again. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hey, guys.
2: Just like to say I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller, um, nice. These boys are crushing it. Adverse <laughs> conditions. I mean, what they're dealing with to get this mountain open is uh, an untamed beast. And uh, as a local, long-time local, we'd like to throw the love to these guys for all they're doing. And I'm sure that we'll have the the best holiday experience possible in the town with the limited snow we got.
1: Thanks for your call.
3: Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. Appreciate that support. Way to spread the love over the holidays. Love this
0: community.
1: Now oh, we have another one. Yes. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Trying not to get my ears drums blown out. Yes,
2: good evening to everyone there. Um, I thought that was a very important question you asked earlier regarding um, responses to climate change. And I, I feel that could be expanded upon in terms of, um, like, I'm wondering about plans. For more glading, for instance, glading is not only expands skiing terrain, but, you know, gladed areas generally hold snow better due to protection from sun and wind. So, uh, uh, you know, so for all those reasons, I think it's a great thing uh, for the mountain. So I'm wondering about plans for that. And another thing I would like to advocate and ask about is summer grooming. I feel like a lot more could be done for these low snow conditions regarding summer grooming uh, like for example if you look at the lower part of chair 6 right now there is a ton of little christmas trees sticking out of the snow and if, if those weren't there well this you know the snowpack would be looking a lot better and 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 you know places like lower lift line on chair 8 or 7 where there's willows that grow up six, eight feet tall, and, you know, the snow could be looking a lot better without those willows, so, um, and and not to mention even uh, logs that we've been skiing over for 30 years that are still in Zulu Queen and log pile and et cetera, so I would advocate for both of those things, more gluing, gluing, more summer grooming, and I'd love to know if you have uh, additional plans to address those.
4: Perfect.
0: Thank Thanks you. for your call. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Bad thank to you. See there. That's <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart as both an avid tree skier and someone who loves just generally being in the woods. Um, and we do have pretty extensive plans for um, more forest health work around um, all over the resort. Um, and so, you know, we have, we've been working with the forest service. They've been a great partner of ours Um, And, you know, our intention is to continue to do more forest health work all over the mountain. Um, You may recall a few years back we did a great deal of heli logging in the Lift 9 area to kind of preemptively get that zone um, a little bit more ready with with some more skiable terrain. And and our intention is to do that basically all over the resort. Um, So, you know, just last year we got some approvals of some new types of uh, removing timber and then cutting down trees on steeper slopes um, that we intend on implementing some of that next year you know we really want to focus on some of these north facing areas as you mentioned this gladed terrain really does hold snow um, so when you can accentuate that with a um, northern aspect then you're you're doing even better um, and in terms of the the summer grooming absolutely you know that's something that we we do a great deal of albeit i wish that we could do more um you know the areas that you mentioned over in six um you know we'd like to get over to to 14 this coming summer as well you know this past summer we focused a lot of our work in the ten area as well as over in um seven and eight so i mean if you're looking up from town right now i mean stumper and o'reilly's actually don't look half bad albeit there's only eight inches of snow over there um but they're pretty well manicured as do the lower plunge fingers over there. jaws cat's paw um are, are pretty buffed out and it it does do a lot for um just prepping that terrain for early season and it's it's part of our part of our summer program and um if we had a Limitless supply of folks that we could have running uh, brush cutters, then, then, we certainly would. Um, but yeah, those are two things that you know we we certainly are uh, trying to do more and more of around the mountain.
1: We are actively near the end of our hour. Oh, and we have another call. So put those headphones back on. <clears throat> Let's get it. Hi, you're live on coto Hi. I wanted to bring in a different aspect of our role in combating climate change. And that's that the forest does a lot to sequester carbon. And so if we are going to be cutting down live trees or plants, then we need to be increasing their um, successful growth elsewhere. And I don't know how much that is incorporated into Telski's plan, but um, there's been a lot of tree cutting around this region. Um, over the past year, and it's quite disturbing because I feel like we are taking away and reducing the sequestration capacity of our forests. Thanks. Thanks for your call. Thank
0: you. Yeah, thank you. Um, And, you know, with all of these projects, we do try to key in on um, dead and diseased trees first. You know, that's our primary um, focus is forest health. Um, and you know by providing areas of the forest that will get more sunlight we will see more regeneration and as we do these projects um, it's all done under a prescription and under the guise of the Forest Service and with the help of their silviculturalists. Um, and as some people that have skied around in some of our recent logging over in the chair 9 area you'll probably notice that there are some areas that don't really look that gladed um, and that's by design you know we do want to leave areas that are untouched both as you know, shelter and uh, habitat for animals, but also just to have some areas of our forest that aren't necessarily perfectly manicured by man.
1: Yeah, um, we are nearing the end of our hour, um, but I'm going to ask. I'm not going to force you to give me an honest answer, but I'm going to hope that you do. Um, where are the places that maybe the secret gems on the mountain for the moment that you're really enjoying skiing or? Maybe if you're not willing to give away your secrets, what are you really enjoying um, skiing down in these days?
0: Well, I hate giving up all my secret spots. You know, my my best two runs of the past couple days. we're over in the alley of lift six. It was great. I mean, you know, there's always a couple things that you gotta bounce around um, over on, on the old alley there. Um, but it's it really is just skiing great. Um, and then over in the Grouse Glade, over in lift 10, um, you know, that's a new gladed area that we cut a few years back and it's really starting to kind of come to its age and um, it's, it's skiing pretty good over there. So those are my two spots.
1: All right
4: yeah i mean i would say this time of year i focus on actually the areas that i'll never go back to again once more stuff opens up so chair 10 i mean i have a six and eight year old so you know you're gonna be spending fun. a lot of time over there janet four <laughs> fun but you know like lift line of chair 12 that's something i will never ski once the whole mountain's open right now skiing great nice chalky little bumps that's a fun fun little zone
1: Patrick, I'm going to ask for yours, but we have another call. People are just, like, getting it in under the wire.
4: Headphone's Hi,
1: you're on. live on Kodo. Hi. Do you have a question? Am I live you, right now? You are. Do you have I a do co- have a question. Okay, go for it. Oh, because I could hear you guys still talking, so. <laughs> um, my
2: question is, I was in Crested Institute the weekend before last, and typically, I mean, I think we... As we get half price lift tickets in Crested Butte with a cheluride ski pass, and their system is not compatible with our new RFID passes, and so I was not able to get the 50% discount, and I'm just curious if there's a plan to fix that
1: soon, because I like to ski Crested Butte, too. Yeah, so I think... I, my answer off the air. Yeah, thanks for your question.
4: I think um, that has to do with um, the fact that Cresta Butte is a Vail resort now, and with our Epic Pass Alliance, our pass holders get 50% off lift tickets at Vail Resorts properties. Is that correct, Patrick? Correct. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I mean, I haven't heard that one before, but that's a, that's a bummer. Yeah, we'll help you with getting uh,
3: reimbursed there. Please shoot an email to reviews at telski.com and we'll get you connected with some folks and and make sure this is solved moving forward, too. So appreciate the feedback. Yeah, because
4: that benefit is still active, so the fact that it didn't work is definitely a bummer and something we want to work out. Yeah, no, I appreciate you letting us know. There you go. Cool.
1: Getting answers. Problem solved. There we go. Well, not Well, maybe not. Not quite yet. It'll be solved. We'll take care of you. Um, Patrick, where are you liking to ski these days?
3: You know, I love Saturday morning. I was out on 14 and just it was amazing I was skiing skiers left on Electra kind of popping in and out of the trees and into the open run and it was amazing and absolutely loved that so make sure you're keeping a close eye to, to as our terrain opens because it's it's really cool just getting able to ski terrain before there's any natural bumps especially the stuff that we don't ever groom like electride and so I, i recommend getting those in the early season while we can and hopefully we'll get a nice refresh here to to make that enjoyable again and and then also yeah you know i got a two and a half year old now and i took him up to chair 11 later that afternoon and that was it was so fun like it's um it's really cool to get up there and have that higher elevation beginner terrain and You know, ultimately ended with me, him in my arm skiing down uh, Sundance. But it's you know, he he had a great time
4: up there, and uh, classic bad parent moment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know,
3: I was like, gotta keep this fun. Definitely not gonna try to have him ski down. And uh, you know, we got time, got just in time for hot cocoa. So it was cutting it close.
1: How's he doing up there on those skis?
3: He's loving it. He's loving it. He's um, he's, you know he can hold his balance and we're working on turning and stopping.
1: I'm working on turning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know, <laughs> it's it's like like I'm, not, I'm not, it judging. Just <laughs> keep going. Um, we touched on it really briefly, but Thursday is the anniversary, the 50th anniversary it's of the, the lifts turning on the mountain. Um, I don't think any of you were there. You've aged very well if any of you were there on that first day. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, recognizing this is a huge milestone for the resort and for the mountain and for Telluride. What does it feel like for you all to be um, there with with Telski as you're um, making this big checkmark on on the legacy of this place?
3: Yeah, it's it's you know it's definitely a, a monumental year. And really quick, I just want to give a shout out to Sako and Ani. Those are two employees who've been with Telsky for 50 years. Uh, they got to ride first chair this season for our 50th year. You know, which is um, which is super exciting, and they're amazing. I mean, and it's it's folks like that. And then we got a handful of people who've been on for 45 plus years too. And we got a new monument to to honor them at the top of San Sophia. So I recommend people to check it out. But you know it's we come from such a really cool rich history a funky history and it's fun to look back look through those old photos and i encourage people to do that and and to check out the museum they're doing a a 50th anniversary exhibit and so i highly encourage folks to go over there and check it out and um yeah excited to for all
4: of us to get together and celebrate later in the season with some shindigs too yeah i think it's a really cool way to look back right i mean overseeing the ski and snowboard school i've got staff um you know at He'd hate for me to say this but I've got an instructor who's 90 years old and still teaches several days a week right like we've got I've got staff that are much more experience than me on many levels, um, you know, in the ski industry. And, you know, it, it's amazing 15 years ago when I started to think back and think like, oh, the resort was only 35 years old. And then see some of my instructors and it's like, oh, you, you started 25 years ago, half the age of the resort. Or you started 35 <laughs> years ago when the resort was only 15 years old. I mean, it's just crazy to kind of put that in perspective and see how it's, it's evolved and grown and and at the same time kept its character um in a lot of ways it's it's yeah it's a pretty special thing just to even think about and the folks that you ride in the chair with chairlift with if you know could have been here from the beginning and that's that's awesome
0: yeah i mean it's it's incredible to be able to look back and you know see some of the old photos and listen to some of the stories about you know the way things used to get done and you know all the challenges that were overcome to make this ski resort what it is today or i mean it's it's it makes what we're dealing with this season right now just seem like hey we'll get it done um, because they did back then and they were you know Lord help me if we were using the same resources as they were using <laughs> back <then>. and <laughs> senior was was cutting all the runs and making it happen I mean it it, it truly is incredible um, and you know for this community to kind of grow up around um, this resort um, as it kind of hit its second second win with the resort coming into town and, and it's, it's just incredible just to see where we are right now and it's pretty cool to be be part of that
1: yeah um well we will wrap up this hour it really has gone by very quickly um but any final thoughts or um comments that y'all would like to make before we take off this evening <sighs> Thanks snow
3: Thanks, no. <laughs> no. That's definitely key. And, you know, like everyone says that, like, the holidays can be tough. And, and I, I think people say that who are going on, like, you know, they have, like, two-week-long vacations, and here we are in a ski town, and the holidays can be tough. We're, we have a lot of social pressure, work pressure, and it's important to just be kind to yourself and others, So, and get outside and play and get out there. So just, let's all work hard to try and do that together.
2: All right.
4: got to say something, not.
2: I, I, Noah's speechless.
4: I got nothing. Got nothing. Just thankful, thankful to be part of the resort's 50th anniversary, and and thankful to be in the studio with you. Thank you for inviting us. Every time I come in here, I just I feel like I'm in Aspen Extreme. You know, it, yeah, just like going the into the walls. radio show. Pretty, <laughs> it's pretty special. So thank you. Of yeah. course.
1: Well, um, thank all of you for for being here. Scott Pittenger, Patrick Latcham, and Noah Sheedy, thank you so much for, for joining this evening, talking all things Telski. Thank you to all of our listeners, especially those of you who called in with your questions. We really appreciate it, and we will be back tomorrow with more news, and next week with more Off the Record. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at KOTO.org with feedback and ideas.